0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: How would you like to get the inside scoop on the secret sauce of show business? Imagine being ahead of the pack when it comes to knowing how to land that part you crave in that film, play, or TV program. Listen to the Inside Acting Radio show hosted by William Powell, the king of DC media, at blogtalkradio.com. Search Inside Acting. Welcome, 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 dear listeners, to another amazing episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show, where tonight we will learn the secret sauce behind actor and writer Lawrence Weissner's 24, count them, 24 wins and 40 nominations for the screenplay to his upcoming short film, Saving Robin Williams, which will be filming in November. Now, uh, Lawrence uh, will also discuss his film that's entitled "Videogenic," which has won at least three film festivals and over a dozen nominations. He'll also uh, tell us some outrageous stories from sets he's been on. Now, let me also add that uh, Lawrence has three Best Actor awards, appearing in 100 productions. He's the writer and director and producer of five award winning SAG shorts with the sixth one uh, shooting in November. He's the award-winning screenwriter of two dozen scripts, including winning the 2018 Richmond Film Festival and the 2019 Northern Virginia Film Festival. Now, he's done all of this in the, uh, in the last six years. So I see that... Uh, Mr. Whitener is trying to get connected here. All <laughs> right, Lawrence. It's good to hear your voice, man. I'm a jump wow, right in. You. So I know that I know that. So that the uh, Saving Robin Williams involves time travel, and it's about a brilliant mathematician. And the director is David Langlet. Uh,
0: Langlet. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. What else can you tell us about the film?
0: well the the script itself already has uh one win and three nominations so the script is doing very well and uh good, yeah good. basic yeah so when i when i wrote it uh, whenever i write a script i submit it to film festivals to see if it's as good as i hope it is and when it came back immediately that, with great reviews um, I had become friends with the, the director, David Langlitz, who did a wonderful film with Hume Cronin and then later went on and did uh, Rutger Hauer in Mentor. And um, he's in New York, and I just went ahead and sent it to him. And he called me up and he said, did you know that Robin and I went to Juilliard together? And I said, no, I did not. And he said, yes, we rode up the elevator every day and he would do his uh, comedy stick on me. And uh he said, uh, do you want me to direct it? And I was like, well, uh, you, I guess that's kind of why I sent it to you. And so, yeah, so David <laughs> is <laughs> David is directing it, and we shoot it uh, the weekend, November 8, 9,
1: 10. Man, that's awesome. So talk about how you put together your cast.
0: Well, uh, originally, uh, you know, I, I um, David is in New York, and so there were a couple actors I was looking at, and we did a uh, – a screen test, and we uh-huh. realized uh, David and I realized that because of the storyline, which is the last fifteen minutes of Robin Williams' life, um, which I had to do a tremendous amount of research. I had to read four autopsy reports, which I don't recommend reading. And uh, mm. I we realized that we would actually we couldn't just try to emulate. We could we had to get an actual impersonate of Robin and there's this wonderful uh, comedian actor uh, named Roger Cabler uh, that you can look up and especially on YouTube and he is spot on uh, Robin Williams and we realized we had to do that so um, I explained that to the other two actors and and David wanted me to play the professor uh, which I you know, I'm I'm a Santa Claus. I'm a homeless hippie mountain man, biker, viking. Uh, those are the roles I usually play. So I, I have played a professor, but in a suit. So David wanted me. So that's what uh, Roger and I talked, uh, Kabler. And uh, we really hit it off together. So, yes, it's uh, the movie is now directed by David Langlitz and uh, starring uh, Roger Kabler. So, yahoo.
1: Man, that's great. That's great. So uh, talk about the rest of your crew.
0: My crew is, has been the same crew that's been making all my films with me. Um, once you find good people, you keep them. Uh, Donald M. Uh, is on the production side, and uh, he I have another film, Videogenic, where he was the lead in that. And And <laughs> I just found out that apparently I have to clone myself on that weekend. Because not only is, are we shooting uh, Saving Robin Williams, November 8, 9, 10, but the Clifton Film Festival is now showing Videogenic that weekend, and the Alexandria Film Festival is showing Videogenic that weekend. So I'm like, wow. wow. <laughs> okay. Can I get two more of me, please? Um, but that's yeah. just the way that's it sometimes goes. Yeah. What? What?
1: <laughs> That's your next screenplay
0: oh yeah i, I mean know. uh well you know it's <laughs> it's fun i sent i sent you that note and it's amazing that I have 24 wins and and 39 nominations that are actually on IMDB and those are just the ones that yeah. they'll give me because uh they they've really changed the rules this year and now they won't give you credit I don't even get credit as director unless my name is listed on the film festival's website. So my films actually win, but I don't get the crossover credit because my name's not oh. listed as director. So I think oh. that's kind of petty, but that's something brand new that just happened this year, and they won't let me share. Before, it was very easy for me to get producer money because everyone knew that I would I would share the, the – first of all, everyone knew that the film would get awards. And second right. of all, they knew I would share them and now I can't share them. And that that makes a difference on getting producer money, but still considering 24 and 39. And now we, we just got the nomination for Alexandria and Clifton. Um, it's just amazing that all of that has been in the past six years. Well, in yeah. 2013, so what what, go ahead. No, I was going to say what it all started in 2013. Uh, I, I've studied with almost all of the acting coaches in New York. I couldn't afford to go to actor Studio. Um, but uh, there was a great acting coach called Tom Todorov. And um, in 2013, I attended uh, second or third class. And, and he, he said, you know, it's okay if you just want to be background actors. It's okay if you want to treat this as a hobby. As a part-time job, that you have a full-time job that you like and it pays the bills, and you kind of want to play with, with acting, he said. But you need to make that decision: is it is it actual career, or is it just a hobby? And I was sitting there, and I said, I I want it to be an actual career, and that was it. So. Uh, My very first movie, because I wasn't working anymore, anymore, I could now go everywhere and do everything. And I went down to Roanoke and and, uh, and got a part in David Baudelchi's Wish You Well, which was shooting in West Virginia. And that forever changed my life in two ways. Number one, it made me sag because I became Fred the Bailiff. So they had to do the Taft-Hartley paperwork on me. And number two... It allowed me to have a life-altering conversation uh, with the producer-writer, David Baldacci. And during that conversation, it came out that apparently at some point we had been separated at birth because not only did we go to the same college and get the exact same degree, but we also wrestled yeah. under the same coach and then went to UVA to study law and then moved to Northern Virginia and bought houses one mile apart and for 30 years, we were taking our two dogs to the same vet, but we never actually talked until I was on his <laughs> set in yeah. 2013. And the only reason why I could be on a set is because I had decided to make acting my full-time career. And so it's amazing how that comes across. And after all that information came out, uh, David and I were talking, and he didn't know that I had always tried to become a writer. And I couldn't even get an editorial published. And I had this huge stack of rejection letters. And there's a beautiful scene with Mackenzie Foy in Wish You Well where she gets her first rejection letter. And anybody that really wants to be a writer, yes, you keep your first rejection letter. uh, Because it's just something that drives you forward, just like an actor. um, If you're not willing to take chances, uh, nothing will ever happen with your career. And so because I decided to take the chance and become a full-time actor, I could go play and wish you well and meet David Baldacci, and he could convince me that, you know, there are different types of writing. What do you really like to do? And I said, I absolutely love movies. He said, well, what about screenwriting? And don't you, don't you wish you could have your own self-epiphanies uh, that somebody else has <laughs> to give it to you? And that's it. And I immediately (laughs) signed up with uh, the number one screenwriting professor at Yale, Mark Lapidula. And through him is how I met David Langlitz, who's now directing Saving Robin Williams. So it's amazing uh, if you just let yourself kind of flow down the river of life. Uh, Yeah, you'll hit a lot of rocks, uh, but maybe occasionally you'll bump into other people you can flow along with. How's that for a metaphor? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I like that i like that
0: analogy there yeah so uh lawrence
1: you got to talk a little bit more about your writing process
0: well the writing well that was well. okay i'll tell you because uh i try and get together with david uh every christmas uh he follows my career because he uh he knows that they uh you know if it wasn't for him i, I you and i wouldn't even be talking but it's uh two years ago uh we were we were chatting i said listen you know i've I've actually taken some of these online courses, and they all talk about you have to outline, and you have to do this. You have to create all your characters first. You have to have all this paperwork. You have to have a whiteboard, and you've got it all broken down. I said, can I tell you how I write, and you tell me if, you know, where I'm on or off? And he said, sure. So I said, well, basically, I just sit down, and I have an idea, and I write as far as the idea will take me. And then I will shut that file, and I'll open another script, and I'll start working on that. And at some point, while I'm working on that second script, uh, it hits me, of course, that's where the plot needs to go. And I go back on the first, and I keep writing on that. And I'll be getting ready to go to bed, and I say, wait a minute, i got a great idea. I'll just go down for a few minutes. And then uh, a little while later, the dog is uh, wanting to go out, and I open the door, and it's, it's morning. I've written all night long and you just a complete time vacuum. And I I go and I tell him, so there's no outline, there's no pre-writing, I just have an idea, I start knocking it out, and when I reach a, a plot point that I don't know where it wants to go, I just close that file and open another story, and I tell him this, and I said, so, am I on the mark? And he gets up and he comes around the table to me, and he gives me the best man hug I've ever had, and he goes, that is exactly how I write. And I went, gee, I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm doing okay. Doing something right. So yeah, so I yeah. One time you and I were talking, and you asked me how long do you write, and I said oh, 12, 14 hours a day every single day. And uh, and my Yale professor asked me that in class one day. He said, tell the other students how much. Work. I said twelve to fourteen hours a day, and I saw people roll their eyes. And I said every day. And he goes, why do you do that? And I do it for the same reason that David does it. I love to write. And so I haven't acted in over a year uh, because that's all I do is write. And then, you know, I won Richmond last year, my uh, family uh, script. And then my other family script won the Northern Virginia Film Festival this year. So I just love to write. So when David came to me, David Langlitz, and said he wanted me to play the professor in Saving Robin Williams, I'm like, oh, man. I've got to put my actor cap back on. So it's, it's been a, you know, you consider that I've been in a hundred different productions and that includes commercials, both radio and television and everything. If you remember Michael and sons, I did the, I played the plumber. You don't want. And, uh, yeah. And so it's just, I've had so much fun and, but you have to, uh, just let yourself, go with the flow. And so I tell, especially brand new actors, I said, you have to literally go everywhere, do everything, meet everybody, because you absolutely do not know when, you know, that your break will come. And so had I not taken the chance to go acting full time, then I wouldn't have been able to go down to Roanoke uh, with the wonderful Erica Arvold and then Darnell Martin. Uh, was the uh, director who cast me, and then go and meet David Badalchi, and and here we are six years later. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there back, I go. Yeah.
1: Meet everybody. <laughs>
0: well, it's just yeah. If you're not, you know what I, I especially uh, what I love the most about the business of storytelling are all the stories you get to tell about the business. And, you know, as an actor, you're, you're told, especially when you start off as a background extra, you're told, you know, never talk to the lead actor unless they talk to you first and certainly never, ever uh, touch them. So uh, a couple of years ago when I was doing, well, actually, it was the second film, First Wish You Well, and then I went up to New York and did Symboline with Ed Harris and Ethan Hawke. And I'm playing Ed Harris's bodyguard, so I'm always standing behind his left shoulder. And he turns around the second week up in New York, and he sticks his fist out. And, you know, this is my, you know, I'm still like a fledgling actor, and he sticks his fist out. I know what he wants, but what have I been trained? I've been trained, don't ever touch the lead actor. And I'm just staring at his fist, and he calls me a derogatory term uh about something about not having bravery and (laughs) i just started laughing Mm. and he said what's so funny i said come on dude i said it's seven o'clock in the morning and and i'm fist bumping ed harris i said you know just shoot me (laughs) because i don't think my career is going to get any better so it, it it just it's been a lot of fun but every time you go on to a set you get at least one or two funny stories every time you go i mean i've done two films now with ethan hawk and he's just just an absolute joy to be around no ego whatsoever
1: yeah you always tell interesting stories i mean i never forget your uh your santa claus story and then also <laughs> uh you got to Till i'm sure you have some stories from bill tillman and the outlaws and then also i think you had something from house of cards
0: oh well you mean mr spacey yes Apparently, uh, you know, I have uh, played uh, Santa Claus. I sent you a picture when I was uh, L- Loudon, the town of Loudon's Santa Claus. That's always neat. They bring you in on a on a fire truck. But yes, no, I did uh, four episodes of House of Cards, and uh, then I got a phone call that they wanted me to come back in for another episode. Which I thought, hey, maybe they actually want me now. And this was towards the very end uh before everything blew up in Hollywood. And uh and before that Mr Spacey had been his typical lead. He was, you know, kind of segued off by himself and and uh but he was very professional and friendly. But on this particular day, uh he was six hours uh, late showing up on the set and it was a Monday and it was obvious everyone had partied way too much over the weekend. And so um, this is—I'm just playing a Vietnam vet, and all I'm doing is saluting him when he gets out of his uh, presidential limo. And uh, <laughs> on the very first take, we're doing a tracking shot, so the camera is behind him, looking at me, and he—he—he um, he, he, he does a facial gesture at me, and I—I I actually felt brain cells explode. And I'm mm. like, uh, you know, I'm, I remembered hearing his story when he did Glenn, Glary Glenn Ross, and Al, Al Pacino was actually off camera cursing ahead of him to try and get him to have a reaction. So now Kevin mm. Spacey goes on and I'm just standing there uh, holding the salute and I'm going, what the heck was he trying to get out of me? Because all I got, all you got was a WTF look on my face. So I didn't think much yeah. about it but then they then they they ended the take and they said back to one and he wanted to hold hands and skip back to one this is I'm not embellishing any of this so now the brain cells that were trying to grow back they just gave up and so now we're yeah. back to one and we go to do the second take and now when he comes up they're doing an over the shoulder of him so his face is still off the camera and now he yeah. he uh uh I don't know how else to say it except just say it he 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 puts tongue action into his facial expression and I just about lost it right there because I just couldn't think of yeah. anything more um unprofessional because I'm like what is going on and so I'm uh, I'm just standing there and now it's it's 8 hours so they call for lunch and everybody clears the set except me <laughs> Cause I'm in cement. Wow. I'm going. I'm going. What just happened? And uh, an actress walks up and she said, "Listen, I saw what happened. If Kevin's assistant comes over and asks if you want to go to a private party, don't go." And now she walks past me, and I'm having this twilight zone moment uh, because I'm like, "What is going on? What is this? I mean, are they? Is this a joke? What is what is happening here?" and now a second actress comes up because it's obvious that I'm having mental distress and she goes yeah. didn't you didn't you know and this is this is literally 3 weeks before Harvey Weinstein it's right before and i my response is no what and she goes oh she goes well kevin trolls during the show and i'm boom that was it whatever brain cells i had left were gone i'm now just silly mm. putty and a, um, a PA, now the set's completely cleared, but I'm still standing there. I haven't moved. And a PA comes yeah. up and they say, uh, the PA says, are you okay? And I said, uh, actually, no. I said, would you please go get the set medic? And this is one of the reasons why I love being a, a SAG actor, is you do have protection that you don't have when you're non-union. And the set medic came over and he goes, is something wrong? I said, yes, I you know, never lie. Always tell the truth. So I said, I am literally sick to my stomach. I need to fill out a sick report, and I have to leave. And that's it. I literally walked off the set. Wow. and then and then, and then literally three weeks later, Harvey Weinstein, and then two weeks after that, uh, Kevin's own uh, antics come out. But yes, when you're not prepared for it, and it's it, it's a it, it's like when a buddy and I went down uh, right out of college down to Key West, and we scuba dived. And uh, you know you can tell when someone is eyeing you, and so when when Kevin did that to me, that was right before the Me Too movement broke out. And yes, I I did feel that I couldn't say anything because he was so powerful at the time. And it was a it was a wonderful uh, experience for me to have as a human being to realize. Well, what just imagine how women feel, uh, actresses when they it's just horrible that somebody would do that to you. And I'm, and the worst thing about it is, you know, if you, (laughs) if you see me, the only thing I could figure out was that at that particular moment, he was having a Santa Claus fetish. So, (laughs) you know, I, (laughs) I mean, I don't know why, but yeah, no, but yeah, it wasn't until everything came out that I could finally post it, uh, that yeah, no, this is, this is actually what the, what the idiot did to me. So, I mean, what I saw that day, which was different from what I've seen the other day, is I saw a human being that was out of control. He was drunk with power, that he could do anything he wanted. And that's what you got from the Harvey Weinstein uh, story. But but his was just, uh, Harvey's was just so creepy. But, you know, it, it was just such a shame because Kevin has so much talent. And um, mm. it. You know, yeah. but uh, but it was you know it 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 blew me away for about a month. I I couldn't go to auditions. I was just really thrown off my game that somebody at his level would do something that was just so sickening. And um, it but yeah, so I literally walked off the set, and and then of course within six months it was shut down.
1: Good grief, good. Grief. But you know, wow, hey, that's that's a hell of yeah. thing to go through. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it surprised me. Yeah. Now you know. Now it's a funny story, because literally I was just deer in the headlights when he was doing. But but the thing that amazed me is he was actually doing it on camera. And then being a member of of, of the SAG, you know, they they send me all the films to vote on for the Academy Awards, and I have the episode, but I can't watch it. <laughs> yeah. At well, least not now.
1: Well, I hope your brain cells grew back. <laughs> Well, I, I uh,
0: apparently they did if I won Richmond last year and, and Northern Virginia this year for my screenplays. But yeah, that was uh that was also kind of an epiphany moment for me in acting where uh it just at that moment it wasn't fun to be an actor anymore and I just empathized completely when the Me Too movement exploded. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I it's not that bad, but uh you know, I wasn't asked asked to drop to my knees, but to do that to another actor on camera uh that's just beyond uh you know unprofessional so anyway yeah the, so it happened and and uh but it certainly gave me great uh empathy uh towards my uh female peers in acting so um but it it is what it is so it happened and and then his whole world came down and they literally took everything away from him so to to go that high and then have it all yanked away from you yeah, you know that's pretty bad that you would allow yourself to go that far down. But to do it on camera, that that's just that mm. was that's that's the amazing part to me. So anyway, yeah, so that's a great story. Yeah, but that that was that's part. where I really threw myself into my writing, and that's where you know uh, literally uh, this will. Robin Williams will be the third sag short that I've shot in twelve months. Uh, you know, that's literally, amazing yeah last november we did uh we shot ingenuity and then we uh shot videogenic in april and now we're shooting robin williams in uh, this november
1: okay okay so talk a little bit more about uh, uh videogenic
0: well videogenic was uh i you know you you write stories that are interesting i always always a huge uh twilight zone fan and so this is this is a twilight zone episode but it's basically they uh um, uh, Donald Lim, who, who plays the lead character in it, we went down originally, we were going to shoot it in Clifton, which is where I shot, shot my very first, uh, sag short, uh, the handler, but, um, Clifton has changed and, and the people I I knew were not there anymore. So we, uh, we wound up going down to Occoquan and I'd always wanted to, I also, this would be my sixth year as a film judge for the New York film festival. And some absolutely beautiful uh, foreign films, especially out of Portugal, came in where they would open with a drone shot flying in over the Mediterranean Ocean. And I said, when I do my next film, I want to have a drone shot. So Videogenic opens with this just gorgeous uh, drone shot flying down the Aquan River and uh the the dp who's actually flying the drone just barely misses the train trestle that runs beside 95 going down south there over occoquan and then it comes in and then there's a they they have a waterfall in occoquan so the aerial shot that comes straight down on don when he's walking across their footbridge there's (laughs) there's this beautiful waterfall in the shot the drone pilot is talking to me saying hey there's another waterfall f- further down the the river and I said do you think you could fly through it because that would be a great and he goes well if i do i'll lose the drone i said never mind come on back so it was a uh, it was wonderful but we sh- we found the oldest house and the only house in Occoquan that is privately owned so i didn't have to go through the uh, town council and it's it's all the way down at the far end of Occoquan there's only one main road and all the way down there, and we shot in that, and it was just wonderful. And I brought down uh, Patrick Boyer uh, from uh, Baltimore, who's uh, in his big boots. He's like six foot three, so he absolutely yeah. towers over over Donald. And it was a great Mutton Jeff shot when we did a two person on that. But it's basically um, we. we <laughs> uh, The guy, uh, Donald, is a uh, a camera buff, and he really likes old movie cameras, or as Patrick corrects him, movie machines. And um, he sees this triple turrent, or as Patrick corrects him, triple threat, uh, and he buys this this haunted camera. Um, And uh, whatever he films, whatever he says when he's filming, that's what actually happens to the people that he's filming. So if he likes you, you're going to do good. But if he doesn't like you when he talks, uh-oh, you're in trouble. And one, there's a scene that was so good by itself uh, because of Jared, the DP, really. I mean, he I've never seen a cameraman that can do what looks like a jib shot or even a tracking shot, but he's doing it handheld. I've never seen a, a DP that has hands of stone like that. They're just smooth.
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you ever see Videogenic, that opening shot that comes down as Donald's walking up past the stone wall, and it comes down and then tracks with him, you would think that was an expensive mini-crane shot. No, that's a, that's handheld. The guy's just holding it above his head, bringing it down, and then walking beside him. But you can't tell that. But, see, I saw that because I did a... Uh, uh, a cable series called Chance, which actually just got picked up on Uplift TV, so you'd be able to see me. Uh-huh. But that's what I got my uh, third Best Actor award for, was my role as Bart, the drug-selling dry cleaner. So when you pick up your clean clothes from Bart, you get a little something extra in the pockets. And uh, But uh, I, I met Jared, so when they had the premiere for Chance in D.C., and I'm watching, you know, the big screen Shows it all. So if you make any mistakes, if a finger comes in the frame, you're going to see it on a 30-foot screen. And I watched this, and I had been on the set, and the guy's just using, you know, this little handheld camera. And and I watched the quality, and it was studio-quality shots. So when I was getting ready to do Vineogenic, I said, would you please shoot my movie? And he did. And it was it's just magic, and that's why it's doing so well. I mean, it's right now it's got three wins. And and ten nominations, but we just got the two more for Clifton and, and Alexandria, so that'll make twelve nominations. So it's been uh, been an amazing twelve months. But uh, anybody that produces films, even at the at the short level, there's a lot of stress involved. Yeah. So to do three of them, you know, in twelve months, yikes! What's wrong with me? So. <laughs> but you as long as you're having fun, fun, I'm sorry. As
1: long as you're having fun.
0: Well, that's, that's the key. If you're not having fun, don't do it. And uh, once you find people that you trust, uh, you know, so most of my crew has, has worked on uh, videogenic and ingenuity that's coming back and working on uh, saving Robin Williams. And I will, I will tell you a key to keeping your crew happy is feed them very well. Uh, You know, having, (laughs) having been, uh, I think IMDb has been credited as, as an actor for 76 films. Uh, which is still a lot. Um, and one morning, Ed Harris turned around. Ed's a great guy. Uh, I've done two films with him, but he doesn't talk in complete sentences. And he turns around again one morning when I'm playing Knife, and, he, and all he does is say two words, how many? That's it. He turns around and he goes, how, how many? And that's all I have to work with. And I'm like, dude, really, honestly, you know, send me an email or something uh how many how many well okay i'm standing in a movie how many productions and at that point it was just 80 now it's 100 and uh and he goes that's a lot and i'm like he rolls his eyes so i know he doesn't believe me and i said oh do you want to hear my tagline and I this is my second film so i already know what he's going to say he says not really and i'm like oh bite me i said okay here it is i'm the hardest working actor you've never seen and he liked it, and he's got a beautiful laugh. But it's, um, yeah. So it's just uh, go everywhere, do everything, meet everybody, um, and and have fun. But uh, treat them well. So in all these little independent movies I've done, especially up in New York, and you know they, you show up and all you you get a bag of chips and a bottle of water, and that's your craft services. So no, when people work mm-hmm. on my films, you know they get Chinese food, they get and Donald M., let me tell you, anybody out there who's listening, if you're making a, a, a movie, you want Donald M. on your production staff. He's a great cook. He is a genuine asset to have on your film. Um, trust me, uh, you, you want Donald M. on your crew. So, uh, yeah, so Don will be uh, cooking for us on uh, Saving Robin Williams again.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're down to about six minutes, So. Quickly talk about uh, cardinal virtues and hell on earth, how, how are they doing?
0: Oh my goodness, Cardinal virtues was my uh, virtues uh, was my very first screenplay, and that's where I'd gone to an audition uh, in d c and then I get a phone call uh, from the guy, and there's a book on Amazon called, uh, called "From a Nigger, Nigga" in IGGA from a Nigga to a God." And it's and if you've seen Shawshank Redemption, and you've seen uh, American Gangster, put those two together. And D.C. had their own American Gangster. And he was called MasterCard uh, back in uh, 1985 to 1994. And then he wound up being uh, sent to prison uh, for 10 years for murder, and he was at Lorton. And the, again, the research, the interviews I had to do with him in order to be write, write that. It is a Shawshank redemption. Uh, you, you just wouldn't believe how bad Lorton Prison was. And the wall, which is what they called maximum security, was just horrible. So it took me about a year to write that, and that was my very first one. And uh, and now it's Cardinal Virtue, and it's, it's getting interest because of American Gangster. Uh, But it is a local, and so you can actually uh, find that on uh, IMDb and also Facebook. Uh, So Cardinal Virtue, I think that's got two wins now for that screenplay. Um, But, yeah, it's been wonderful. And the hell on earth, hey, (laughs) anybody that's been to uh, West Virginia – uh yes. if if i grew up my my mother was from beckley west virginia which is the coal mining capital of the world and beckley is on top of a mountain 2 hours from anything closely resembling civilization so mm. drugs alcohol and incest yes they're prevalent <laughs> in beckley west virginia and so mm. because my mother was from there you know every summer we would we would go up to visit and I had a cousin, Butch. Everybody has to have a cousin, Butch, you know, and, uh, <laughs> it, and, and you know, who would always make fun of me because I would talk. He goes, why wow, you have such a citified accent? And I said, well, I do believe I could change citified to countryfied and point at you because, you know, you're dropping a lot of nouns and pronouns out of your speech there, buddy. Um, but, yeah, so I went up there, and the last time I went there, is what really motivated me to write Hell on Earth, and it's basically. And you know, I, whenever I write scripts, I, I I really hate writing them for Caucasian leads. I I, I really go to African American as my leads in my in my scripts, and so I make this. The guy's retired from DC, and he gets a midnight phone call from this girl that he remembers growing up with in when he was a kid in in uh, West Virginia. And he goes up there, and the story just explodes. It turns out she's really his sister. Turns out he has a half-sister, and the father he thought was dead um, isn't. He's actually a a crime lord. And uh, the guy is just having a mental breakdown, going back to his hometown after four years and finding out that then the tagline for the story is, family, they will be the death of you. (laughs) Yeah, so I, I have a lot of fun with my stories. Uh, and then the one you were talking about for Santa Claus, that was based on my my Macy's Santa Claus story up in uh, New York, uh, the Herald Square store. And now uh, I uh, that one is, uh, you know, a three's company but four. So you've got four Santa Clauses that uh, get involved in this. My Yale professor says it's a Tim Burton film all the way. <laughs> hmm. Wow. So, yeah, no so Lord. yeah, have fun. That's the bottom line. Have fun.
1: I wish we had more time to talk, man. It was, <laughs> this was great. It's been a pleasure, man. I, I really enjoyed our conversation tonight.
0: Well, post the pictures up there but that I sent you, because especially the one of Santa Claus. And, uh, yeah, thanks <laughs> for having me on. Yep. Anytime you want to hear stories, give me a call.
1: Absolutely. We'll do. Okay. Okay, man. Well, have a great night.
0: Thank you, William. You take care. Bye. Okay.
1: Okay, now. All right, folks. So remember to do something for your career every single day, and remember to break a leg. Have a good night.
0: Under the dark you pacify me. Hold my breath. Take me down, I won't fight Beat of my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes a sound no one can find I never With
1: lucky landslots, you
0: can get lucky just about anywhere
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?